Hey, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing? Um, I don't know much more nerve-wracking experience than this right here. So if you ever want to test your nerves, this is definitely the way to do it. Um, today, this message is kind of special to me because it's all about the baggage that we carry. Hence, my little bag here, right? So many of us have carried these bags of stuff around for years and years. Some of us have stuff in our bags that we don't even realize is in here. So today, in my message, I'm going to unpack some of the stuff that I've dealt with in my bag. I think that after today, the Holy Spirit will sandwich the two series, the one that Pastor Matt's getting ready to start, and the one that he just finished called Foolproof Together. I can guarantee you that none of us knew this because I wrote this message for months ago. But last week, um, when he got up and said what he said about being set free, it was like a light bulb went off. It was kind of like when a puzzle starts coming together. And I knew that I was supposed to edit this message and I intended to do it before I went to my friend's wedding of a non-editable copy, so I couldn't edit it. So he knew nothing about the changes that I had made. I knew nothing about what he was getting ready to preach. In fact, he told me to tie it into Proverbs. So I thought, okay, we're going to be on Proverbs for a long time because there's a lot of wisdom there, right? We could preach on Proverbs for the next 10 years and not get it all. But... I realized that God was getting ready to do something special. So here we go. Buckle your seatbelts because we're going to be in for a ride today. Can we, can we pray? Will you guys pray for me? Because this is very uh, scary up here. So Lord Jesus, we just come before you and we know that you're sovereign. And we know that you've set us apart for such a time as this. And Lord God, we know this church has a special call and special vision, a special anointing. So God, we just release that into the city right now in the name of Jesus. We declare this is a place of healing. This is a place of restoration. This is a place, God, where your spirit will move. You know my deal with you, Lord, the first two minutes is mine. The rest of it is yours. So Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in this place. Do whatever you want to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I want to start off today, I was going to do a joke, but we all know how that goes, right? So I decided to tell a story. I'm a storyteller, for those of you that don't know, and hopefully not a storyteller like a liar, but you know, a storyteller. So, um, this story is about my grandmother, my mom's mom. She and I were walking down the sidewalk at this strip mall, and my grandmother started laughing. I must have been about 12, I think, at the time. She had a very distinct laugh. It was more like a cackle, and I can still hear it in my head today. So out of curiosity, I asked her, hey, Grandma, why are you laughing? She replied, do you see that woman there? 
I looked down the way and I saw this woman and she was kind of wobbling. She was so obese. And I was horrified. Grandma, why would you laugh at her, I said. My eyes were this big. I couldn't believe that my grandmother was poking fun at someone like that. I said, Grandma, that's not very nice of you. And she turned and looked at me, and she said, that's going to be you one day. Your aunt, your husband's going to cheat on you. And she thought that was cute and funny to laugh at. Can I tell you guys that there are power in the words that you speak? There are power in every word that you speak. Can I admonish the parents in this room to be careful what you say about your kids and what you allow other people to speak over your kids? Can I further go on and tell you that both of those things happened in my life? At my heaviest, I was 254 pounds, and my husband did cheat on me. He had an affair with a woman that he worked with. Proverbs 18.21 said, the tongue has the power of life and death. I didn't know that at the time. I had been raised in church, but I was totally ignorant to the fact that words had that much power. But I grew to know better, and I absolutely drew a line in the sand one day. I remember telling your, my, my mom, Mom, your mom cannot speak like that to me ever again. I drew a line in the sand that day, and I said, uh-uh, no more, devil. You need to do the same thing in your life. You need to allow those things, those people in your life that are going to speak life and speak power. She said to me, she said, my mom is 80 years old. She can say whatever she wants. And I said, yep, but not to me. So from that day on, I wouldn't allow negative words about me from my, from, from my grandmother or anyone else in my family either. I still loved and respected her because there is that line. But I wouldn't let her speak negatively to me or my kids again. I grew up where things like that were kind of the norm. I grew up feeling like nothing I ever did was good enough. If I made C's, you can do better than that was the response that I got. If I made A's and B's, you can do better than that was the response I got. But I never understood my brother could make D's and way to go, son, that was awesome. So it was kind of confusing to me as a child growing up in that environment. So no matter what I did, there was nothing that I could do to please them. And after a while, I gave up trying. And their pushing and prodding led me to start rebelling against their authority. As I entered my teen years, I knew it all. How many of you teenagers think you know everything, right? Let me give you one piece of advice. Stay in your parents' house eat their food, wear their clothes, as long as they'll let you. Being adult is so overrated. You have to pay bills. It's not fun. It just looks like it is. 
And you still have bosses. You still have bosses. You know, what made me think when I was 15, hey, I'm going to do this my own way. Okay, that was dumb. Just don't do it. And you can never go back once you've moved away. It's just not the same. Anyway, I needed no help, and I thought church was a waste of time. I went to work when I was 14 years old, so I had a little money in my pocket and thought I was rich. You know, that $50 a week paycheck? Yeah. So we moved from the country to the big city of Greensboro, North Carolina. And I was a little overweight, so I lost 30 pounds. I thought I was cute at the time. And I wanted a bikini. I wanted it pretty bad. But my mom said, "Mm mm-mm, no way, I'm not buying you no bikini. So guess what? I bought my own bikini. That one garment was probably the beginning to my my downfall. But I bought my own bikini. Remember, I knew it all. I was pregnant and married by the time I was 16, but I was still foolish and thought I was going to have this happy ever after life. Two years later, I was back at my parents' house with my first daughter, Shannon, in tow. It was a tumultuous time in my life. It was not an easy time because my relationship with my mom was not very good. My father and my brother physically came to blows one night in the house. I mean, literally punching each other like, you, like a movie. You just don't believe that this kind of stuff can really happen in real life. My brother at the time was labeled a felon under the age of 18. Fast forward five years, and Amber was born. I was living in a housing project in Tampa, Florida. My daughter then disclosed to her then stepmother that my brother had touched her inappropriately. We went through all the necessary doctors, law enforcement, etc. My brother passed a lie detector test. My daughter had no physical evidence and no charges were ever filed. But let me stop and say that as a parent and as a parent for you, it is our job to believe our children. 100% believe your child. The experts advised against counseling because it was a minor incident. A few months later, I married Cirillo de Jesus Montez, Jr., who I lovingly refer to now as Satan Spawn. Um, Some of this is going to make sense as I unfold because Daniel got on to me, guys, and said, you can't do that. Your words have power. Remember, Pastor Matt said. So they're listening. They're listening. I said, wait, wait, wait. You've got to understand. And besides, he's dead anyway, so nobody's, it's not, it's not really sowing bad seed, right? So I married this guy because I was sleeping with him and I thought it was the right thing to, I knew it was the right thing to do because God said, don't do that, you know? So that upbringing I had in my heart 
was still there, even though I wasn't living the way I was supposed to be. So let me just say, if you don't allow yourself to heal when you are in a predicament like that, you will never get a better relationship. You'll end up worse than what you started. Why do we think if one relationship doesn't work and we don't allow God to fix us that we're going to do better the second time? Duh. So after two years, Shannon, my older daughter, came to me again. And she told me that Junior had been molesting her. Looking back, I see all the signs. But hindsight's 2020, right? You, we can all look back over certain things in our life and, and realize things that we should have, would have, could have known and didn't for whatever reason. At this point, you may think I'm a terrible mom. Believe me, I did. I thought I was a terrible mom. And I thought the girls would probably be better off without me. But the scripture, it says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work for good for those that love him and who are called according to his purposes. And that Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, for the gift of God are without repentance. They're, irre they're irrevocable. God still had a plan for my life. He hadn't changed it. It was me that was off course. You may say today, Lynn, I've made so many mistakes, God can't possibly straighten out my life. God can't possibly want me. See, that puts us in the powerful seat. That says it's all about me. And it really isn't. It's really all about him and what he did. I veered so far off course, God couldn't possibly do anything with me. My friend, you cannot change the mind of God. None of us are that powerful. So here I am. I mean, I am scared out of my, my mind because this guy was potentially violent and crazy. And at the time, I knew he had a gun in my house. And my daughter's saying he's hurting her. So I carefully laid out this plan in my mind, and I waited till Monday morning after keeping the girls glued to my side all weekend, not letting them move near him. I took the kids to the Boys and Girls Club in our neighborhood, and I remember telling the guy in charge, his name was Elliot, hey, make them stay here until I come back for them. In our neighborhood, we had kind of this open-door policy where the kids could wander in and out because we were right in their backyard. But I said, I want to be the one to come get them today. Please don't let them leave because I didn't want them to come in the middle of my plan. So I went home and I told him, I said, it's over, you have to leave. Well, that was kind of a pattern for us. He'd tell me to call his mom, and I wouldn't, and then we'd start all over again, this cycle. So this time, though, I did. I went, and I called his mom, and I told her, you need to come and get him. His mom and his sister came, but they were in a car, not in a pickup truck. So I knew 
that they were going to try to convince me to let him stay. I met a sister in the parking lot, and I told her what my daughter had disclosed to me. And all of a sudden, she starts rattling in Spanish, Mom, come on, we got to go. We got to go get the truck. So they came, and they took his stuff and some of mine, and away he went. At that point, I was just relieved he was gone. Stuff can be replaced. But if you or your children are in a spot where there's any kind of abuse, get out. God does not want you to live like that. I am not an advocate for divorce by any means, but I certainly know that God is a God that loves you. And he does not want you or your children in danger, ever. So, fast forward a year later, I have this encounter with God. That's the only way I know to describe it. I was raised in a denominational church. Um, my parents would smoke and cuss on the way to church. And we had flannel graphs. So you older people will understand flannel graphs. But I never got this, the six-inch gap fixed. How did that apply to me? It was never real. So that night was different, though. I knew that I had been touched by a God that was so real that no one could ever discount it. Every person in this room could sit and try to tell me that God ain't real, and I'll call you a liar because I know. I know that I know that I know that I know. I had a real encounter with a real God because religion never saved anybody, and it certainly didn't save us, and it certainly didn't change my family. But God changed my heart in one minute. In one minute. So that night, God became so real in my life. I, I would never discount that experience. I could take you in that room today and show you the exact spot that God put his hands on me. If you've never had an experience like that with God, I encourage you, ask him. He'll prove himself. Nobody has to prove it. Let him do it himself. He will show you who he is. All you have to do is ask him. So I began to study the Bible. I got involved in the church. Let me just tell you, nobody in the projects wants to be friends with a girl that found religion. They, they, they were just mind-blown. How could you be that girl? And for years, even after I would go back and teach their kids on the sidewalk Sunday school truck, they couldn't believe that girl lives over there. But God can do stuff that not anyone, no one else can do. So I'm very thankful for the time that I spent watching Christian TV and, and, and hanging out with the staff of the church and really, really reading my Bible. I found out a lot of things about God during that six months to a year period that I wouldn't have known otherwise. I found out the scriptures that 
were like illuminated to me, that were like lit up, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this was here all the time. And I didn't know. One day, God began to speak to me. He said, Lynn, I want you to forgive them. Who? I said. He said, Robbie, who is my brother and junior. I said, yeah, okay, sure. I said, heck no, are you kidding? I said, no way, God. They both deserve hell, and they deserve the hottest part as far as I'm concerned. I said, it'd be all right with me if I could put them there now. And God said to me, Lynn, do you need forgiveness? See, Matthew 6.15 is what he showed me. It says, but if you do not forgive others their sin, your father will not forgive your sin. That's a hard word. My heart sank because I knew I needed forgiveness. I had made so many mistakes. I had screwed everything and everyone up. And goodness knows, I don't even know how my kids were even half functional at that time. It doesn't matter who or what they did to you, but what does matter is your response to them and to God. God looks at the, the condition of our heart. See, man sees this outward guy, but the Bible says God looks at our heart. And he knows if there's unforgiveness, it binds us to those people. It keeps us enslaved to them. I was in bondage to that man. Still, even though he wasn't in my life, even though he wasn't a part of my existence anymore, I was enslaved to him and to my brother. Sometimes we're harboring unforgiveness and the offender doesn't even know they've wronged you. Remember the story I told you in the beginning about my grandmother? My grandmother had no idea that her words had affected me so deeply. She had no idea that she had had such a negative effect on me. God will lead different people in different ways at different points in life to deal with these things, though, because he knows it hinders our growth. It hinders what we're, how far we can go with him. Simply put, God loves you too much to leave you where he found you. He loves you unconditionally, but he wants to heal those places that we hurt. So we, in turn, can bring healing to somebody else along the line. So God had me, in that instance, to sit down and write my grandmother a letter. So I remember, I just poured out my heart, and I said, hey, Grandma, I know you have no idea. Maybe somebody said things like this to you. I don't know, but it really, really, really hurt me. And I remember tucking it away in a table. And I never even gave it to her. But somehow, just writing it all down, 
helped me release that pain and that hurt in my life. And I was able to give that to God. And it had kept me in bondage for years because I believed what she said. I believed all the negativity, all the bad stuff that they said about me. One of the most profound messages I ever heard was from a lady named Darlene Bishop. She said this one statement, and it has been with me every day since. No one has the power to offend you unless you give it to them. You can say whatever you'd like to be. Lynn, your message sucked. Okay. Maybe so. But I'm the only one that can allow myself to be offended by that. My mom used to say horrible things to me. She would be drunk sometimes. Sometimes wouldn't even know what she had said. And I'd call her the next day or she'd call me and she, I'd say, Mom, do you remember? No. Mm -mm. No one can allow you to be offended or no one can offend you unless you allow it. Offense is a big deal. Bitterness is a big deal. Unforgiveness is a big deal. But we allow those things to stay in our heart. We carry these bags with us everywhere we go, and we allow it to interrupt our relationships with our family, with our church friends. With, we, think, we think, oh, they see me this way. And they really don't. Sometimes they don't even know what they've done. And you may never get an I'm sorry from them. You may never get that. I know I never did get an I'm sorry from any of them. But I know that God promises in his word to take care of it. And this is the scripture he gave me all those years ago. Romans 12, 19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Forgiveness is sometimes a process. For me, with my brother and ex my ex-husband, it has been. At first, you heard me. I said, no way. I can't forgive that. At first, I had to pray, and I prayed like this. God, I cannot forgive them. I, there's no way I can forgive them. But if you'll help me, I'll, I'll do my best. Then I got to the point that I could pray for them and say, God, I forgive them, but if they don't repent, can I be the one to kick them into hell, please? And finally, I got to the point where I could really pray for them and say, God, forgive them. They don't know how they hurt me. They don't know how they hurt my child. They're sick. They need help. God, please forgive them. And at that point, I realized that God had healed my heart. Forgiveness is essential to us as Christians. It isn't a suggestion. It's a command. This is my stuff, the stuff that used to be in my bag. But one day... One day, I opened my eyes, and I said, God, this is what Jesus came for. He came for, and he died on that cross so that I wouldn't have to carry that stuff anymore. 
And he came so that you don't have to carry stuff in your bag anymore. You can lay it right down at that cross today. You can leave it. And when it tries to rear its ugly head, you can tell it you can go back to hell where you were meant to be. It has no power over you unless you give it power. But we have to make the choice. The choice is mine, and the choice is yours. I was guilty of so many things, but he didn't hold me guilty for it because he had already paid the price. I want you to bow your head, and I want you to close your eyes with me. I don't even have to ask how many people have a bag. Because guess what? I know that we all do. They might have different things in them. Some of us have carried shame for a long time. Some of us have carried guilt for a long time. Some of us have just been told things that were totally contrary to God's word. God's word says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That he knows right well. You're perfect the way he made you. I had years of my life where I wanted to be like somebody else. And one day God said to me, do you think I don't know your address? I made you that way on purpose. He made you that way. Some of you would say, Lynn, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. This religion, relationship, I don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. You're the reason this place sits on this corner. God loves you so much that he brought you into this place today, and he wants to heal you. But you have to start with a relationship. So if that's you today, and you say, Lynn, I don't know. God's not real to me. I want God to be real to me. I want to have a relationship with him like I've never, ever, ever known with anybody else. If that's you, I want to see your hand. I want to pray for you specifically. You may have something in your past, and you may think you've gone too far. My friend, you cannot go farther than his love can reach. So I want everybody, if you will, to pray this with the people around you that have raised their hand. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that your word sets us free. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for those things we believed. Show us who you are in this place. Reveal what you have for each of us. Help us to walk in a relationship with you. Forgive us for our wrongs, and we will choose to forgive others for their wrongs against us. Help us to do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.